Welcome back to another episode of the Best Minutes Podcast. Each week, Movies by Minutes hosts examine the 1946 William Wyler-directed film, The Best Years of Our Lives. One minute of screen time per episode. I'm Richard Dunham from Ghibli Minute. And I'm Chieko Dunham, also from Ghibli Minute. And all this week, we've had a special guest, my sister... Melanie Greenberg, and I have a YouTube channel called Pardesi Reviews, where I review Indian cinema. Today, we are talking about Minute 75 of The Best Years of Our Lives. Minute 75 starts with Fred and Mr. Bullard shaking hands, and it ends with Fred telling Mr. Thorpe he wasn't thinking of getting his old job, and as Mr. Thorpe sniffs from a bottle. Yeah, that was kind of weird. Like, what the hell was he huffing? <laughs> it was very weird. Yeah, I guess there was. I think in the it's in the next minute he's or at the end of this scene, which is not covered this week, but next week he says, "Take care of that cold." So I don't know. There's. Uh, I did a quick Google search trying to find like you know medicines delivered, cold medicines delivered through a spray, but I couldn't. All I got was like asthma inhalers. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It was weird. I don't know exactly what that was or kind of a snuff kind of a, I don't know what it was. It was weird. Yeah. Yeah. It was very weird. So let's talk a little bit about your YouTube show, Melanie. (laughs) Tell us a little bit more in detail. Tell our listeners what that's all about. So I've had this YouTube channel for a little over three years, and I talk about all different kinds of Indian cinema. So most people in America know Bollywood, but that's just one part of it. That's Hindi cinema. And there are several other industries uh, in the south of India. So because everything is English subtitles to me, it doesn't matter. But I watch mainly Hindi, Telugu, Tamil, and Malayalam films. And they all kind of have a different flavor to me. And... It's just a passion of mine. They have, you know, Netflix recommended to me this film called Diwali Dilhani Alaja Enge, which stars Shah Rukh Khan. And that's because I like romantic films and because I like musicals. And that's what Indian films can give me is almost, even if it's an action film, it's going to have a music and a dance number. (laughs) So uh, very, uh, you know, and I liked classic Hollywood films. Uh, Rich may not remember, but back before our family even had a VCR, I would get up at like two in the morning because there would be an old Fred Astaire movie Mm -hmm. playing late at night. I remember like every Easter it would be some big excitement in us because Easter parade. Easter parade, yeah. And there was yeah. usually like a bunch of other like Fred Astaire movies on like yeah that was kind and of so, that same week or something yeah right yeah so I used to you know really love old classic Hollywood movies and I could still get that musical and and you know seeing a love story love songs and dancing and all of that through Indian film where I live in a suburb of Chicago has about 20% Asian population. And so our local movie theaters, when it's not COVID time, play first-run Indian films at the same time. They're released at the same time as they are in India. So I would go and uh, review new films. And with the time change, sometimes I would be I would be some of the first reviews out on YouTube of some of these films. 
films. So now that it's COVID time, they're still releasing new films on streaming services. And in fact, this week is the Indian holiday of Diwali. And so I've had a busy week of a couple of big new film releases out to watch and review from home. And the, the fortunate thing about my YouTube channel is I have people to talk about this around the world because my family and uh, friends have little interest in Indian cinema. So I can say, wow, I really liked this director. What else should I see by this director? And it's like crowdsourcing and I'll get from my viewers all sorts of suggestions. I will not live long enough to watch all the films that have been rec <laughs> recommended to me through my channel. But uh, it's been an exciting ride and uh yeah i still enjoy it three years on cool so is there is there any analog to this movie like what in indian cinema is there any what would be the closest thing to compare with this i can't really think of one that's about i mean there's certainly war movies but not necessarily i can't really think of ones dealing with ptsd the theme that Indian film keeps coming back to is partition. Yeah. And the, the trauma of the whole country around that. And also, you know, there's been domestic terrorism, bomb blasts and things like that. So there's a lot of films dealing with the trauma and the after effects of things like that and riots. So like uh, yeah. Hey Ram is a um, Hindi and Tamil film that deals with some of that. So it's more, I'm an outsider trying to understand the trauma that I'm seeing that these films are trying, you know, it may be star-crossed lovers, one from Pakistan, one from India, in a film like Veer Zara, and it's dealing with the after effects of this separated, you know, the, the way the nation separated, and, yeah. and, you know, and so they're working it out through film. Yeah, so I can't necessarily relate to all of that, but I guess in the same way, I mean, I'm not a veteran and I'm experiencing what it's like through a film like this, yeah. the best years of our lives, to understand what someone with PTSD or difficulty integrating with your family, that's what film is giving us. It's giving us a window into that world. And so it's for me, I'm learning about India through the, the films that I'm watching. If not for COVID, I would be visiting India right now. We had a trip <laughs> planned for this month, but I hope to to experience it in person but until then i can only experience it through the film and you know it's interesting there was a recent malayalam film called halal love story which i highly recommend but the film opens with the scene of the twin towers oh. and it's mostly a comedy <laughs> okay and oh. it's oh. and it's said oh, about these like this muslim or group is going to turn from making propaganda things to making a halal love story where a husband and wife will play a husband and wife so it's okay if they even touch okay. in the film yeah. okay it's kind of but it was so jarring for me as an american because we don't see those images of the twin towers hardly ever maybe only on the anniversary of 9-11 but even then we're really shielded from seeing those images over and over and like to start a film to just like, okay, we're setting the time for the setting film the by time, showing, yeah. by showing yeah. the twin towers and then showing street demonstrations. And <laughs> I'm like, Oh my God. Like it, yeah. it took me a minute to, it's like, playing, to like, it's, it's like playing outcast. Hey, yacht is at the, the year <laughs> the movie <laughs> right. takes place or something. Right. Wow. Yeah. Like, okay, here we are in the early two thousands. And I would, so that's what I was like explaining to my viewers of like, this was really jarring to start a comedy <laughs> film like this. So yeah, 
I mean, so it's uh, it's a very different perspective sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I, I just uh, really enjoy being able to have an audience of other people to talk about. And that's why, like this podcast, I had not even heard about a podcast examining a film minute by minute and really doing a deep dive. And it's it's a really interesting model. And also just having different people's perspective yeah. each week or each minute by minute talking about the film and how they responded to the film. So I'm when I'm doing a review, I'm always asking my viewers, well, how did you respond to this film? Or, you know, because, and I get like an interesting perspective because I can only do it, view it through my eyes. But how did someone who grew up there or whatever, or in this case, how maybe how would a veteran view this film? You know, I'm sure there's going to be a veteran in, in all of the minutes, <laughs> three-hour movie that's going to yeah. talk about this. And it would be really interesting to hear some, different people's perspective or maybe someone who was a wife of a veteran who was in the shoes of Myrna Loy and having to deal with a veteran coming home and, and trying to be supportive, but not necessarily knowing the best way to be supportive in that situation. Yeah, I think the, uh, I was watching the, uh, I think it was the Safi brothers, the, the two brothers that made um, Uncut Gems. Yes. They had a, on the Criterion channel, they have this series called Journey Through Movie Watching. So they invite mm. guests on and like to talk about and to feature for the channel some of their favorite movies or some of the movies that really affected them so they were on they had a bunch of stuff they had uh they actually featured the talked about a couple of iranian movies so i started to get into iranian movies a lot they're really amazing but they said one of the things they said is cinema is an empathy machine is the way they yeah. described it mm -hmm. so mm. definitely i mean you're going to get to issue movies this is one of the big issue movies of the 40s right but, uh, right yeah. So uh, jumping back into the minute, he talks to Mr. Bullard. Mr. Bullard, I notice, has a pinky ring. Did you guys notice it? It looks like a wet. It looks like a plain band. I'm like, is that? Why is it on his pinky? I mean, just to get the tracking shot from Goodfellas, and then a <laughs> pinky ring, right? just to seal the deal. What? Did the Masons often wear their? You know, like those kind of societies, did they wear their rings as like a pinky ring? Oh, that's a good oh, thought. Hmm. I don't know. It could be. Because that was definitely a bigger thing at that, you know, in olden, older times of yeah. men showing their participation and, or it could be the Elk Lodge or whatever. Yeah. You know. Just like a civic uh, organization. Yeah. I don't know. I, I thought maybe, you know, his his fingers had gotten too fat for his uh his wedding ring, so he moved it to the pinky. It's mm. a nice thought. No, it definitely was a thing because I remember Mark's grandfather for a while had a pinky ring. Oh, I really? Mean, I don't know that. Yeah, I mean, actually, I think it was passed down to Mark, you know, and or it was kind of a thing to get a bar mitzvah ring. I don't think Mr. Bullard had a bar mitzvah ring, but I'm just saying <laughs> that you might wear that on your on your pinky. So okay. that was kind of a thing that men did. Not something our father did, right, Rich? I mean, and no, not no. a jewelry wearer. No, no. I mean, my fingers got eventually too fat. I don't wear my wedding ring anymore. Yeah, I you can get it resized, you know. <laughs> so then he has a nice little conversation with uh, with Mister Bullard. Fred does, and then we cut to. Is this the uh This is the his old assistant? Yeah, this is his old assistant who ranked up. Yes. Is it stinky? 
Stinky, stinky Carmichael. Yeah. And he has a little snarky conversation with <laughs> this woman. And she, <laughs> she's very polite, I would say, about Fred coming in. Because Stinky is like, oh, he's back. I bet he's looking for a job. And she's like, oh, well, he'll probably get one because he's so accomplished in the military. And then Stinky. With all those ribbons on. I love the delivery of that. <laughs> all, all those, those ribbons, ribbons on, on his yeah, chest. Yeah. All those <laughs> <She's>... ribbons. <laughs> she wouldn't mind working with him is the vibe that I'm getting. <laughs> um, and then yeah. Carmichael. Just... That jaw. <laughs> the jaw. Uh <laughs> Carmichael comes in with a super shady, like, spiteful line. He comes in below the shield. Just, <laughs> like, he hits her. Yeah. Hits Stabs her through the sheets. Like, yeah. oh, with all these servicemen coming in, a lot of people are going to be losing their jobs. Well, that may have been a, a real thing, I guess. But yeah, he definitely delivers that villain kind of smarmy little uh and she gives the kind of the eye roll as he walks away like there he goes again you get the feeling that this is a commonplace occurrence for him to make little snide comments i saw her as a lot more threatened than that yeah i saw her like oh Oh, like her realization and i wondered in that moment is this a brief reference to the numbers of women that entered the workforce during the war Mm -hmm. that's a good point their discomfort at being told, oh, yeah, thanks for go back being to in the, the workplace, but go back home. you don't belong here anymore now yeah. that the, the men are back. Well, and this isn't part of our minutes, but Fred's own wife, this character's wife, has been working in a nightclub, and he insists that she quit her job. And it's it's kind of implied, well, you shouldn't yeah. just be working at all. You should just be my wife. Not only the fact that he doesn't want her working in a nightclub, but just... You should be able to just live on my $32 a week. Apartment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh, it's some conflicting expectations. But that's a fair point that there could be women that work behind the counter or whatever that, I mean, because Fred's the one having to like try to sell this perfume. He's not exactly the primo person to be selling women's uh, lotions yeah. and perfumes. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it's a little comedic to watch him in that lab coat talk to this middle-aged woman about perfumes later in the film. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and he doesn't want to work here. I mean, in the coming minutes, they're highlighting an issue probably a lot of veterans had and that he was some sort of officer or whatever, but he doesn't, he didn't really have, that was just his rank. He didn't necessarily, wasn't in a supervisory role of other men to even have that as experience on his resume. It's really, yeah, I know how to bomb from an airplane in Germany And how does that translate to a civilian job Mm -hmm. at home? You know, he doesn't even know what kind of job to look for because the only experience he had as a kid was working at the soda fountain. And that's the thing is there were a lot of young men who enlisted or were drafted and then they had very little work experience. And then whatever they were doing doesn't necessarily, they're grown up. They've had all this life experience, but it doesn't necessarily translate to, okay, now you can work in sales or now you can work in construction even or whatever. You know, he doesn't even have kind of a technical background for anything. He's really at sea. He doesn't know what he wants to do. How old do you think Fred is? I think we said at the beginning of the week he's maybe early to mid-20s. 20s. 
So if he was working at, I don't know how yeah. long somebody works would work it as a soda jerk. But if he enlisted like at 18, mm-hmm. and let's say he was part of, I know from watching 12 O'Clock High, <laughs> Gregory Peck, that the long-range bombing was some of the first American troops in Europe in uh, in 1942. Mm. So if he was there from the beginning, which I don't know, there was a, a lot of attrition for that. But let's say he was, then maybe he was in the war for three years. Okay, so, so 21. Like 21. Right. 22. Yeah, yeah. Very young. Yeah. I mean, he definitely, his parents live in a shack. Yeah. I mean, mm. they, they when he gets strapped off. Did you guys actually figure out, was that, he doesn't call. He doesn't call the them. woman mom. No, it seemed like maybe she was a stepmom or something. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but he comes from the most humble background, and then his wife is living in a fancy apartment because of her nightclub job. Yeah, but fancier, not as fancy as the Stevensons. But you know, he's surprised to find that she's not living with his parents. Or his dad and second wife or whatever in their little shack apartment near the highway exit. Yeah, next to the train tracks. So he's just expecting her to be at home, which also shows that disconnect. Like, has she been responding to his letters? You know what I mean? That That's kind of our first sense of there's trouble in this marriage if she yeah. has moved to another place and he doesn't even know about that. Mm. Now, granted, letters probably get lost in the mail and you didn't get every single letter home, back, you know, from homes. But even so, we can tell from the beginning there's this disconnect here with his relationship with his wife. And we have the origins right here and him saying, no, I don't want to work at the drugstore. And then later, that's all the option that he has left is to go back there. And the person that used to be under him, Stinky uh, Carmichael or whatever his name was, ends up being his boss. So that's really not the life that he wanted. And here he is coming in with this uniform and all of these medals on his chest, but it doesn't give him any leg up. It doesn't give him anything to be able to get a really good job. Yeah, and it it must also hurt his pride a little to go from being this honorary member of the military and like having this super important job to coming back home and then going back to having a job at the drugstore working and like kind of dropped down in position at this drugstore to be the employee of someone who was his assistant. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, you say it must, but I, it's, it's weird because I don't see that like in his performance. Like he seems like throughout the movie, he, he seems, seems frustrated with his wife, obviously. Yeah, with his wife. He just feels the performance, the vibe that I got from his performance was dissatisfaction. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing was like his speech at the end. But there's that scene where he calls, Stinky is showing him how to do something, and then he calls him Stinky. And he's like, there'll be no more of that. Oh, okay. You know? Yeah. You remember that scene? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know? And so Stinky's asserting his authority, and he just has to. And then, the, and then even when he talks to Peggy, he's like, I can only talk to someone if they're buying something. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. again, showing that he doesn't have any autonomy to even be able to talk to somebody for a few minutes. He's being monitored and he has to be sh- selling something. They have to pretend that he's selling something to her for them to be able to talk. He is very gracious as a, what is his rank? Is it captain? I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure if I remember. I think so. But like, you know, the, uh, Homer and Al show him all this deference when they see his rank. And he's pretty gracious about that, which is kind of yeah, he not doesn't... what he gets 
from anybody above him when he gets back into his uh, lowly position in the civilian world. Yeah, he always downplays himself. And there's that one scene where his father like reads one award certificate out loud and that shows the audience like, oh, he's... Holy crap, yeah, this guy (laughs) Right. Well, and he he has that nightmare where he's... he obviously had gone through some traumatic experience and was trying to save some of his, I don't know if it was a plane crash or exactly what happened that he's having, you know, nightmares about, but that may have been what that metal that was being read out was about that particular circumstance. But even in this interaction with Mr. Thorpe, he's just like, I didn't do anything special. I didn't, you know, again, he's, it's like this greatest generation thing, right? Of just being deprecating and not uh, about their accomplishments and their heroism. They just, I'm no different than anybody else. That's just kind of the vibe that I got. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So any other favorite William Wyler movies? Oh, gosh. It's got um, a long career. Yeah, long, long. Several classics that you would look, oh, that was one of his... Ben Hur, right? Directed Ben yeah. Hur. Uh, yeah. He had a but like I, I mentioned uh, in a previous minute this week. I went through, you know, when I was living overseas, it just kind of my main entertainment every night was renting videos, and I went through all the William Wyler movies that I could find. He in the fifties, he had a run with Jack Lemmon mm. uh, uh, as a lead in a bunch of movies, including, I believe, hold on a second. I didn't, I'm looking up. I did not realize that he was the director of Funny Girl. That's yeah, amazing. Funny Girl. I would say probably Roman Holiday. Yeah. Is my favorite of his. But yeah, I mean he's done he's done all different kinds of genres too. I mean you think about Ben Hur and then just you know romantic films and it looks like he's got some westerns and whatever too. Oh, Mrs. Benever. That's another one that's really good. So, yeah, from all different genres, he's not someone that's pigeonholed into just one particular genre of films. Have you seen any other of these classic movies, Chieko, with your dad? Or No. Do you, do you know about Rome? I, do you know what Roman Holiday is? Have you ever heard of that one with I, um, Audrey Hepburn? Yes, I have. I have heard about Roman Holiday because one of my classmates was a, a very big Audrey Hepburn fan. I think this was like my freshman English class that she was in. So I heard a lot about that. <laughs> but I think this movie is probably the first I've watched from William Wyler. And I mean, a very good first impression, <laughs> I'd say. Yeah. Well, I think you would really like Roman Holiday and Funny Girl. You might really like too. I mean, that that's a musical, but... Mm. I think you would really like Roman Holiday. Okay, I have to correct myself. I was thinking of Billy Wilder. Ah. Who worked with Jack Lemmon on stuff like The Apartment. I was going to say, I'm not seeing these, but I wasn't going to correct you. Yeah, classic noob mistake. All right, any final thoughts on this week? Well, I just really appreciate you asking me to do this. It's one of those kind of bucket lists when you see the list of great movies that you should see, you know, and it's just been one that I've never gotten around to watching. And as I said, we were watching it the week of Veterans Day, and so it had kind of extra poignancy to watch in a week that we're celebrating veterans. So I really did enjoy it. I agree with Chieko. It's really long. But they're trying to give 
I mean, but for me, unlike you guys, I mean, I'm watching a standard Indian film is two and a half hours, <laughs> yeah. you know, two and a half to three hours. So it's just, they're trying to give full weight to all three stories. And so each of them has a number of really important scenes. And so that pads it out to, to almost three hours. I wonder how audiences reacted. I mean, think about Gone with the Wind was just seven years before this, and that's also a very, very long film. Yeah, this one doesn't have an intermission, right? Like Ben-Hur obviously was really long, but that had an intermission. It may have. It just, it probably did. It probably did have an intermission. And that's one thing. Indian movies that are shown here in nearby cinemas don't show it within, they have an intermission and they don't show it but there's one indian movie theater in niles that i go to and they do break for the intermission which is very welcome in a three-hour movie to have a bathroom break but it's also it's a different method of storytelling in indian cinema where the is sort of like they leave you at a cliffhanger or a thing that you would want to buzz and talk about in that 10 minutes yeah. and then brings you back into the film. It's part, it's a different, instead of a three act, it's a very different construct of film experience. Yeah. I went to see the hateful eight when he did it as a roadshow with like yeah. the first release the week or so of the release he did it in the old style roadshow presentation right. with the flyer that you get as part of the ticket. Yeah. And it had a break, which was a cliffhanger right. in the intermission in that movie, too. Yeah. It's just a different style, and it's an old-fashioned style. And you think about when people were going to watch these, they probably had newsreels and things before the movie even started. Yeah. It was a whole experience with that kind of stuff, too. Where we grew up, there's an old movie palace called the Paramount that... Uh, now shows Broadway, you know, traveling shows and stuff. But I don't know if you remember for a while, they showed classic movies and they had the old organ and things, and they would show them with some newsreels and cartoons to kind of give you the experience. It was like, it was a summer classic movie series. I remember. I do remember. I don't remember the newsreels and stuff. Maybe the cartoons, but maybe the cartoons. Yeah, I remember seeing From Russia with Love and 2001, Speaks Odyssey there. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, they, I mean, they kind of gave you a flavor of what that experience was probably like for moviegoers. Well, the other thing is that people would used to just go in, buy a ticket and just go in in the middle of the movie. Yeah. That was one of the big parts of the marketing for Psycho was to tell people not to do that. Like, make sure, mm. that was part of the marketing guy, make sure you are seated before the beginning of the movie. Right. People used to come in in the middle and then just stay through the next showing until they were caught up to where they came in. Well, it was a place to go and enjoy air conditioning, That's too. That's true. It yeah. was a place to escape and go. Anyway, I really enjoyed watching this, and I found some of the scenes are ones that are going to stay with me for a very long time. Especially, it wasn't one of our minutes, but especially the scene of Homer's character showing his girlfriend, Wilma, what it's like when he goes, gets ready for bed and has to take his prosthetics off Mm -hmm. and that he he would be helpless at that point. Yeah, that's one of the things I remembered that stuck with me. Like I saw it, like I mentioned, I saw it like 25 years ago and that was one of the things, if the wind blew that door shut, I'd be stuck in here. Right. With no way to get help. Yeah. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
I mean, that is just something that that lingers. And some of our minutes were pivotal because of scenes that come further on in the movie. You know, it's important to know that Fred's character here didn't want to go back to work at the drugstore. That's not the life that he envisioned, but he didn't really know what he wanted. Or that Al was really not so crazy about going back to the bank, but what else was he going to do? They're hounding him and asking him to go back. And so there's certain scenes that are really going to stay with me. And I'm really glad. I'm really glad that you invited me to do this. And it's super fun to do it with Chieko, too. I keep wondering. <laughs> yeah. Were you look? I mean... Did you like it, or were you just kind of admiring some of the performances, but it was just too long? What was your overall take? I, I liked it a lot. I've, I'm, I don't really watch older movies or any classics, so it was really interesting to kind of witness a different type of acting performance. I would say, yeah, especially as someone who spent so much time in theater, learning how to act on stage. Acting methods fascinate me and the progression of it and the history of it. So I really enjoyed watching the movie. It was a little long for my taste, but I thought it was great and a good, a really well put together, I guess, deep dive into veterans after the war. It was very tasteful for the time and also super recent. I was very impressed with how fast it came out after the war and how well it demonstrated the assimilation of these veterans and the struggles of that in such a short span of time. Yeah. With choosing to highlight three different veterans, being able, instead of us just following one main character who, for instance, might have PTSD, we get, because there were, we have three main characters, we're getting, getting to experience those three different shades of what it was like to come back. Someone who's handicapped, someone who's disabled from the war, who's not sure that his girl is still going to look at him the same, a family man realizing his family has grown up while he's been gone, and then a guy who had a quickie marriage, which is very common at the time, right? To have these, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, I don't know what's going to happen, so you marry the girl that you met, (laughs) and then having to deal with the fallout from that when you come back and you're very find out you're very different people. So I, I thought it highlighted so many different issues, and like I said, even if they didn't have the words that we have now, like PTSD, they were showing all different kinds of ramifications for these veterans of coming home and and not you think about like they didn't have counseling and whatever right mm-hmm. yeah there's no support groups yeah <laughs> right but Peggy as a nurse you could tell she had dealt with that before right you know when she came in when Fred's having the nightmare and you could tell she's just like just go back to sleep like that you could just tell for her that was something she had done over and over again, or at least that's kind of the feeling that I got from the way that she was acting with him when he was having that PTSD nightmare in the middle of the night. Right. Mm-hmm. How she could fall in love with him over like one night, like, okay, to <laughs> yeah, the point of, I, I, mean, I could have wrecked his marriage. Like that was a little bit, I was like, am I watching a Bollywood film or what? Like, <laughs> just get totally hammered. Yeah. Especially watching him like get totally drunk. And, yeah. and then you're like, oh, well, I Yeah, this really is the like good him. impression that he made on you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that and one lunch, and that was it. That yeah. was it for her, that Chieko. <laughs> Rich, you better watch out for Chieko. Like, it could just be, uh. you know, 
Better not make her your designated driver. You never yeah, know what's going right. to happen. <laughs> anyway, I really enjoyed this. Thank you for inviting me uh, on this. Sure. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Appreciate your uh, insights. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, let me remind our listeners, there are over 170 other Movies by Minutes podcasts available at moviesbyminutes.com. So check that website for other great shows. There's a good chance that maybe one of your favorite movies is covered by a podcast like this, if you like this format. Mm -hmm. And for this particular podcast, the Best Minute Podcast, you can find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or at our main website, thebestminutes.com. If you want to interact with other listeners, you can go to Butch's Place, the Best Years of Our Lives Listeners Cafe on Facebook. And you can find it on Twitter at The Best Minutes. Melanie, do you want to remind us where we can find you on the uh, internets? Again, my YouTube channel is called Pardesi Reviews, P-A-R-D-E-S-I. And you can also find me on Twitter at Pardesi YT. All right. Thanks again for being with us this week. And listeners, please catch us again here at The Best Minutes Podcast. Joe, you better hurry up out there because she's taking off soon. Right, thanks. Come on, Taylor.